Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want make sure that you can stretch every dollar you've got. And that's what we're up to at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And I want to talk about one of the ways people have been stretching their wallets. You know, early is the shock of unemployment came across for so many people with tens of millions of Americans unemployed. The questions were coming fast and furious to me at Clark.com slash ask about what do I do if I can't pay my rent? What do I do if I can't pay my mortgage? What do I do if I can't pay my utilities, a credit card bill, whatever? It was all uh, almost like uh, I'm expecting this is going to happen. How do I handle it? And I talked a lot about how you do financial triage. Well, now we're further along in the process, and a number of people, roughly somewhere around 7% of people with mortgages have not been able to make payments and in most cases have been eligible for, under one of the coronavirus laws, have been eligible for mortgage forbearance. And the mortgage forbearance that typically is granted by a lender or a servicer for three months and then can be renewed for another three, and then possibly potentially after that for longer, but typically the time horizon looked at is three or six months now that you have contacted your lender and gotten that in place, and by the way, if you just stopped paying and didn't contact you, your lender, that's not going to get your forbearance. You have to contact them. But the question is, what happens at the end of that time period? What should you be doing now to prepare? So at the end of the time period, if you, after three months of forbearance, are still not in a position to start paying your mortgage regularly, you're still unemployed, underemployed, you own your own business, it's not generating income, you can then request an additional three months. Those three months will buy you more time, but then you hit the six-month mark, and now it's time to get back to paying your mortgage. Hopefully, in six months' time, your income is back in your life. I mean, we'll talk down the road if it's not. But if your income's back, you may have been frightened by your lender saying you're going to have to pay all that money all at once that you had the six months of forbearance for. You don't. It's only if you can afford to pay it, and I don't know who is going to be in that position, are you expected to pay it all at once. Otherwise, the lender will uh, work out a repayment plan with you and don't agree to one you don't think you'll be able to handle, or they will 
typically tack it on to the end of your mortgage. So instead of your mortgage being, let's say, a 30-year mortgage, it becomes 30 years and six months. And you catch up on those payments at the very tail end. Or if you sell the property or refinance before that point, that's when that bill comes due. But in the meantime, while you're on a forbearance with your mortgage, a payment holiday, you have to start thinking when that period's over, how are you going to make your payments? How are you going to pay all your bills? It's really something I've found my experience is that when someone is in a forbearance period with a student loan, with an auto loan, with a mortgage, that it's like we turn our brains off from that obligation even being there. It's uh, like a coping mechanism many times. But I don't want you to have your coping mechanism being ignoring it. I want you to think through a plan. And if you're generating enough cash each month, but not enough to make your mortgage payment, store that money up. Put it in a savings account. And know that you're starting to build back to where at the end of a forbearance period, you're going to be able to make your current payments. Now, obviously, if you have no income for a six-month period, I'm talking nonsense. But a lot of people are going to be in a fuzzy middle with some income, just not as much as normal. So you need to start thinking about when that 180 days is over, how you're going to be able to proceed from that point. And that's why being methodical with what you buy, what you spend, and also thinking about squirreling some money away is going to be so core and key to you being financially successful when the forbearance period is over. Now, remember, when you have a question for me, post it at clark.com ask. And producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions. Kim, who you got? This is from Catherine in California. She says, with the CARES Act, I know there's a provision that I can take $100,000 from my IRA. I'm 57 years old and I've been retired for two years. Can I still take this money out and pay the tax over three years, even if I have not lost a job or been financially affected? If I do it anyway, can the IRS come after me for the 10% penalty? So in your case, you're not eligible to use the $100,000 provision. It only applies in the event that you yourself have had coronavirus, you have lost your work, your job, or you've had a severe financial reversal because of coronavirus. So there are these triggers that you have to meet before you're eligible for the tax or the penalty free withdrawal not paying the 10 percent penalty on your ira so in your case you could if you needed to have access to some of your ira money you can still use a procedure that predates coronavirus and has nothing to do with coronavirus which is where you do Uh, what are known as actuarial withdrawals from your IRA 
that you can do before age 59 and a half as long as you continue them for a five-year period. And so that gets very, very complicated. If you mess it up at all, you end up having to pay the penalty in addition to the tax. And unless you had a desperate need for funds right now, I would leave the money in your IRA and wait till you're 59 and a half and eligible to pull money out without any 10% penalty. Joel? Clark Mike from Washington says, I'm 67 and I don't have a will or a trust yet. Should I go to an attorney or pay an online will maker like LegalZoom to save money? I want to avoid probate. By the way, I own real estate and have significant financial holdings. So do not even think about using Willmaker or LegalZoom to do a will, a trust, a will and a trust in a situation with assets like you described. Your situation cries out for not just using a lawyer, but using one who specializes in wills, estates, and trusts. And so they are very very busy right now because Americans have a heightened sense of their mortality right now. And so lawyers doing wills, estates, and trusts have been very, very busy with new clients. But I would say as we get past Memorial Day, people get in a different mode. Even in the coronavirus era, we will. And finding a lawyer who can give you the attention you need to draw up a will first and then trust, if necessary, second, uh, will be much more likely available. But remember, you need a lawyer in a situation like you described who this is the area of the law that they live in, that they work in. You mentioned something else in your question. You talked about wanting to avoid probate and there are a lot of people who very much want to avoid probate but that is not always a necessary thing to do Um, it depends on the situation with your own finances in your state how important it is to avoid probate it can also involve if there's uh, contentious family members that would make it worth you avoiding probate But it does add complexity and cost to the initial drafting and rely on the expertise of the lawyer that you end up deciding to use on whether it is, in fact, proper in your case to go the trust route as part of your estate planning. Kim? Ruben in Georgia says, I am a regular guy and I happen to own a few rental houses. We've been blessed. We own these houses outright without a mortgage, and we currently have both of them rented out. For one of them, the tenant moved in in February, and I've been worried he might be a problem from the get-go. Now that the pandemic's in full effect, he hasn't paid rent for April, and... Sorry, this was written earlier. Now that the pandemic's in effect, he hasn't paid rent for April or May and we're worried because he also owes money for past utility bills. I know. My question is, how do we go about this? I know for a fact he's been out of work since March, since March 13th. They both work in the same industry. 
but he wants to help. He doesn't know how best to, if he should be breaking up the rent over a period of months or wait until the tenant goes back to work to deal with it. They're struggling themselves in this situation and they just want some guidance. Well, Ruben, you have a good heart here. And because you own the property free and clear, you likely have no restrictions on proceeding with a eviction if you needed to go that route. Your tenant likely has qualified now for unemployment compensation or should. And therefore, they would be in a position to pay you rent. And I think you approach the tenant and say, hey, you know, we can't have you remain much longer without you coming up with a payment plan to start paying us rent. And we really feel for you in the situation, but we need to have a plan. And I recommend to any tenant, don't wait for your landlord to figure out what they're going to do about you not paying rent. Stay in touch with your landlord early and often. If, Ruben, you uh, talk with your tenant and there doesn't seem to be a real seriousness or any money being handed over to you, and I don't know what circumstance would prevent unemployment compensation from being paid, then you'll have to make the hard decision potentially to proceed with Uh, the process that's required where you live on seeking an eviction of your tenant. It's something that no landlord wants to do, and it's a very distasteful, unhappy thing to have to do, but you aren't running a charity, and eventually you've got to get paid. And so the tenant needs to speak up and come forward with a plan about how they're going to make you whole on the money that you're owed already, plus what's going to be owed going forward. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you have a question for me, go post it at clark.com slash ask. Then producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions for you. Joel, who do you have a question from? Clark got one from Bob in Arizona. He says, is now a uh, good time to lease a car or buy a new car? Or am I better off going with a, a used car these days? Well, this is uh, actually any of the above except leasing. So the automaker's are really suffering with inventory that their dealers in many states having no customers for a significant period of time, even if they were doing electronic sales, sales way down, seems like about 60% on new vehicles. There's a window that I think is going to be available through the month of June, maybe into early July, with really good deals on new vehicles. And used vehicles are in big oversupply. A third of vehicles that people got, new vehicles that people got three years ago were leased. Those vehicles are pouring back in. Uh, We've got the auto rental companies that have no customers that are disposing of as much of their fleets as they can. 
with the normal inventory of used vehicles, plus the same thing on the used vehicle side, people weren't purchasing used vehicles. So used vehicle prices are very depressed right now, a significant decline in value, somewhere 11 to 13 percent down in price from the equivalent of a year ago, which is a huge price movement on the used vehicle lot. And then new vehicles, gosh, there's a lot of 0% financing available, uh, dealers offering great deals, manufacturers offering incentives on top of the 0% financing. So it's just a matter of comparison shopping, seeing what you really want, and whatever you do, buy it, whether it's new or used. The typical used vehicle, though, is going for a little less than half what the typical new vehicle is going for. Kim? Teresa in Georgia says, Clark, I'm a residential house cleaner and my clients have all canceled with me because of the pandemic. I've been made aware that I do qualify for unemployment through the new PUA because I am self-employed. But when I go to file, they're asking me for my 2019 taxes and I haven't filed my 2019 taxes yet because of the extension. Does this mean that I cannot collect PUA? No, no. You just have to have the numbers available of what you earned in 2019, typically. And so you're able to proceed with the application as long as you have a a pretty conscientious series of numbers that you earned, then you're A-OK for doing the application and qualifying for the special pandemic relief funds, including the federal $600 that is available for up to four months. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about us all learning from each other. We're an empowerment zone for you in a time that is very hard for so many of us to be in a position to stretch every dollar you've got. That's how we're working right now at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com as well, is to help you make sure that the money you have, you can use it as efficiently as possible. Now, there's been a segment of our show that's been on vacation for many, many weeks because of coronavirus, and I can't guarantee you we're going to be able to do this every week, but we've had a lot of requests In fact, we've had Clark Stinks about why aren't we having Clark Stinks. So we're going back to Clark Stinks today. And the way this works is you go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. And when you've heard me say something that you uh, don't like my opinion, you feel like I'm giving bad answers, you feel like the information I'm giving is incomplete, I want you to take time to go to Clark.com slash Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post that. And other people can read what you've posted. They can comment on it, agree, disagree. And then normally weekly, you would hear Clark Stinks on the air. So we're doing Clark Stinks a little differently than we can right now because producer Krista is on another assignment right now. So producers Kim and Joel are going to read your Clark Stinks right now. And Kim, do you want the honors of going first? I'll do it. All right. So this is uh, two different people, but representing the same issue. The first one is Leslie. And she said, I gasped when I heard today's show on May 4th about 
a study that Arizona State University did. You refer to Arizona State as the Wildcats. Gasp! But the Wildcats are oh, our no. sworn University enemies. Of Arizona is the yes. We are the Arizona State Sun, Sun Devils. Devils. Yes, and we are officially anti-Wildcat. I love your show, but we definitely need to fix this. And then we. Hey, heard- wait, wait, I got to say. All right, so my nephew and his wife both went to U of A. My brother's wife taught there for a while. Uh, she she's a retired lawyer and taught at U of A for a while. And this is a horror in my own family <laughs> that I would get this backwards. Well, you also upset the other side of the coin. And Zeke writes, Clark, thank you for sharing the study from Arizona State. While listening, I was working out and heard you refer to them as the Wildcats. As an alumni of the oh. University of Arizona, I almost dropped free weights on my foot. Please know that Arizona State are the Sun Devils, not the immortal Wildcats. And in spite of this grave era, I love you and I appreciate your podcast through the pandemic. Uh, and my daughter Steffi and I went to see ASU, Arizona State, and went by Sun Devil Stadium because she considered going there for college. And how I could make such a ridiculous error, there's no excuse for it. Clark, the the next stinks up is from Anonymous, who says, I love your financial advice, and it is much appreciated. However, as an integrative health practitioner, I cringe every single time you talk about health. Please, I mean no offense, and I know you're just trying to help, but wouldn't it be better if you kept your show to finances, which is your area of expertise, while leaving the health information to, well, the experts in the health field? I'm begging you for the love of public health to continue to impart wisdom on us in the matter of finances, but to leave the health talk out of it. That is a very, very um, good post, and Kim and Joel and I talk about this a lot, and so I've only tried to stick to my knitting and have touched on public health where it's directly affecting the economy. We're in such an unusual situation with coronavirus where uh, a health epidemic is causing an enormous economic problem in the country and it's pretty clear the things that we need to be doing that will give people confidence to go back out again you know right now 70 percent of people tell pollsters they're afraid to resume everyday activity life feels out of control and going to a standard public health protocol of testing tracing and isolating is something that is uh, as a layperson, I can tell you, and you can see for yourself, has worked very well. Uh, as far as talking about public health, I am no expert. I was an idiot in science classes in school. I have no knowledge of medicine, and I will take that to heart and be very careful when I talk about things involving health or public health. Kim? All right. So Drew says, I love your advice. It doesn't necessarily completely stink, but it could definitely use a recode of deodorant. You mentioned often... It's got to be from Dollar Tree or something. Though. <laughs> I'm going to buy deodorant. It's got to be cheap. You mentioned often that longevity insurance is the best way to supplement your income in your 80s, but high dividend stocks are much better in my honest opinion. Longevity insurance typically costs about a quarter million of, a, of dollars, 
um, with high dividend stocks, you'll be able to pass your stock assets onto your heirs and the potential of growth outweighs giving an insurance company a huge chunk of cash. That is a very well thought out post. A lot of people are afraid of having too much of their money in retirement in stocks. But the whole idea of doing longevity insurance is that no matter what happens with your investments or your money, you know there's a date, age 80 or 85, when the rest of your life will be paid for securely, that you never have to worry about outliving your money. For many people, like I don't have longevity insurance, and I'm very heavily invested and for me, that's how I'm going to get by and that's how I'm going to live. And I'm not worried about outliving my money. But for people who do worry about are they going to have enough money down the road, longevity insurance is a great way to provide for that. Joel? Clark David says, I don't think you completely stink, but I think you got this wrong enough for a slight bad smell. You mentioned that people are being more responsible and saving 13% of their income because of seeing others lose their jobs and the uncertainty. It's terrific that people are saving more, but unfortunately, I would think it's more likely because there's nothing open for them to waste their money on. The true test will be how they do once everything starts opening back up. That's true. I mean, that is true. But, you know, uh, restaurant spending, entertainment spending, travel spending, those have obviously all collapsed. But the other side of this equation is people that are shopping typically online are not buying want-tos. They're only buying have-tos overwhelmingly. So people who would have in the past said, you know, I'd really like that new outfit, or I'd like this, that, or the other, this new electronic device or something like that. Right now they're buying food, medicines, and other necessities. So people have who are still working, and thank goodness, the uh, vast majority of us still are employed, but people that are working are pulling in their spending at big, big amounts. And I don't know if this will just completely resume normal spending the way Americans spend on things after coronavirus is over, or if this is an absolute inflection point that will lead to lower spending going forward. Kim? All right, so Tom says, your opening remarks on a recent podcast about how you are working from home and how you're handling it were insensitive to folks who don't have the means to work at home as you do. Also, you went on to discuss your idyllic mean times, and I don't believe that resonates with people who don't maybe know where their next meal is coming from. I'm sure they were thinking, well, la-di-da, bully for you. I I thank you for that. Um, I understand that the percent of us who can work remotely during coronavirus is somewhere around 30 percent of us then we've got somewhere um maybe 20 percent or so of americans 20 maybe not quite 20 but close who are unemployed right now and then the other 50 percent the choice you have is to go out and work or not be able to work at all because the work you do has to be done out and about and can't be done in a quarantine kind of situation in your home. And 
if I was insensitive and how I talked about the way my life is working, I apologize to you and I understand the problems people are having, finding reliable supplies of food or being able to afford them. And so I hope that you will understand that I am very sensitive to those things. And if I sounded insensitive, I failed to do my job. Joel? Clark Kevin says, you don't stink, but you do smell bad. I followed your advice. and I think have frozen- how many people have said that. People I know. Don't I noticed that say, too. I really, really, really stink. They're just, they're nice. They like you. (laughs) They don't want to be too harsh. But Kevin says, I followed your advice and had frozen my credit, but it backfired. I own a a sole proprietorship and work has stopped due to COVID. I can't seem to get my unemployment, nor have I received replies for, for my SBA and PPP loan applications. It all came to light, though, when I found a response in my spam folder that the bank needed the info, the the credit info on me. So please tell all your private business owners to thaw their accounts so the credit folks can do their jobs and get us the money that we need in order to be helped. Thank you for that post. So if you are um, a business that operates under your social security number, you must thaw your credit for an idle loan or a PPP. On the other hand, if you have a um, uh, taxpayer identification number, you do not have to do that because they are drawing on that number. It's possible though, that the way the PPP works, that an individual bank, credit union, or alternative lender will require that they be able to access your own information as well. And even with a federal ID number, you might have to thaw your own credit. But with unemployment, I was not aware that any of the states would hold up unemployment compensation for someone with frozen credit. Nobody's ever mentioned that to me before, and that is new info for me. Kim and Joel, have you seen that from anybody else saying that that had been a problem? No, I was just sidebarring with Joel that I had never heard of that either. Okay, so hopefully that's a fluke and it's just the issue with the PPP or the idol. All right. Abriella says, my dad and I listen to you every day, but yesterday while listening to your show, we noticed that you use the phrase disabled person. I just wanted to point out that the correct way to say this is person with disability, and it's for a good reason. It's important to use people first language to acknowledge the fact that the person is a human being above all else and that above all else and that their disability does not define them. Thank you. I've never heard that explained that way and I really appreciate that. I'm a person of habit and it'll take me a while to learn to say that in the proper more sensitive way. So I appreciate that and I appreciate all your posts and to those of you who have missed Clark Stinks, um, before you know it we'll be back to doing it every week but for now it will be an occasional event on the Clark Howard Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask and post it. And then producers Kim and Joel are alternating asking your questions. And Joel, what question do you have for me? Clark, this one's from Jacob in Washington. He says, I just got word that my school loans are being frozen for six months. I graduated in 2018 and have knocked the loan down to $14,000 with rates between 37 and 4.2%. I bought a used car last year and I owe about $8,000 on that at a 5% interest rate. I max my I max out my 401k and IRAs every year and I'm also saving for a house with my girlfriend while living for free at my parents' house. I I was planning to pay off the car, but with the frozen interest rates on my student loans, should I be uh, putting that extra money towards towards those instead? No, I like your plan. I mean, you got these six months that no interest is accruing on the student loans. They carry a lower interest rate than the vehicle loan. And normally I talk about letting vehicle loans pay out is agreed because it's for a finite period of time. But you are an exceptional person and that I hear there's real determination in you to eliminate debt in your life and to save money for the future. And because you're so focused that way, then I go to straight math. Paying down on that vehicle loan at a higher rate of interest than the 3.7 or 4.2, you said it was 5 point something percent on the vehicle loan would be the smart decision stay on that path, and then when the six months are up for the um, payment holiday and interest holiday on the student loans, pick those right back up. Kim? Tommy in Oklahoma says, I was notified recently by my HR manager that not one but two claims for unemployment were filed in my name. I am still gainfully employed and staying busy, and these are obviously fraudulent. In the past, I've been a victim of identity theft, and I've taken the appropriate steps to freeze my credit since. I reported this latest incident to my state's fraud line at the Unemployment Commission, but is there anything else that I should be doing? Well, you're doing exactly what you should be doing, and there are certain things in life where freezing your credit to protect your identity will not protect you from other attempts to cause havoc. And so... You've given an example with filing for unemployment. I would like you at your leisure to go to the website of the Identity Theft Resource Center, which is in San Diego, the Identity Theft Resource Center, and read their information on what else you need to be aware of and what you might have to do after an identity breach following having taken the most important step, but it doesn't solve everything freezing your credit. And I'm so glad that you are still completely gainfully employed. Joel? Clark Anthony in Massachusetts says, do you have any advice on 
the best companies to be investing in right now uh, due to coronavirus? So I am not someone who is into individual stocks. It's not my thing. There are a lot of stock analysts that have been very clear with the companies they think are going to do well moving forward. But I am not someone who who buys individual stocks. I ride capitalism over the long haul. And that's why I do ultra-efficient investing in index funds where I own little pieces of thousands of companies. So I'm really not going to give you specific companies that I would chase after because it's just not my thing. The podcast normally would end here, but because of the unusual circumstances we're in, we have additional content that we recorded earlier today that I'd like you to have access to. And this will continue day by day as long as the events warrant. And I am fascinated by how people have pivoted during the coronavirus era where we have such a divide right now with people that are unemployed, struggling to get by, people who've remained employed who are able to work from their home and are, uh, in many cases, isolated at home, and then other people who the only way they can work is they are out and about every day. I want to talk about one of the trends that has been clear with people who are at home. And it's been a lot of people, uh, as I told you weeks ago, have been drinking a lot more alcohol than they were before. And others have become obsessed with fitness in their home. Maybe they were gym rats and they can't go to the gym anymore or whatever. And if you look on um, any website, it can be Amazon, it can be Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, you try to buy gym equipment right now, wow. I mean, that stuff is sold out. Peloton, which has always been ridiculed for being something for people who just have more money than they know what to do with, Peloton can't even begin to fill the orders for their, what are they, like $2,500 bikes, and then you pay $500 a year in subscription fees for them? People are buying them like crazy. I mean, it's like something that could be a black market item. And so it is It is just unreal the things that people have been gravitating to. I don't know if I've shared the story of trying to buy a basketball goal, one of the portable basketball goals, unavailable anywhere as people are cooped up more and more and they get outside, they want to do something, and shooting baskets has become a thing. Our 14-year-old shooting baskets all the time. And then for people who are still going to work somewhere but live close enough that they can do something they always thought was a good idea but they never have done, riding a bike to and from work, try to find a bicycle right now. I mean, they are very, very difficult to get. There are these changes taking place and one of them in a lot of uh, metro areas where people historically rode public transit 
because of what happened in New York City with so much transmission of coronavirus um, on public transit, people are afraid to ride public transit right now. And so people are looking for bikes as a way to commute, as an alternative to being on public transit. The changes that we're seeing, we don't know what's temporary and what's permanent. At least the working out thing. Make that permanent. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.